The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, September 27th, 2021. The woman in your life Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. What a wonderful day it is here in Sonoma County. A good day to be alive. I'm really, really excited about uh, this today's show. Joining me on the phone this morning will be Christine Excuse me, Christian Nunes, who is the president for the National Organization for Women. Christian will be joining me from Washington, D.C. As the grassroots arm of the women's movement, the National Organization for Women is dedicated to its multi-issues and multi-strategy approach to women's rights and is the largest organization of feminist grassroots activists in the United States. Oh, I mean, I'm just so thrilled to have her. We're going to have a wonderful, wonderful conversation about a lot of different uh, women's issues that are happening here in the United States. You know, a little reminder for the first segment of the show on on August 26, 2021, the Sonoma County chapter of the National Organization for Women celebrated Women's Equality Day via Zoom. And the Board of Supervisors presented the chapter with a gold resolution honoring the 19th Amendment Centennial Calendar 2020 produced by the group. And I'm so excited. Supervisor Linda Hopkins uh, was spearheaded the uh, gold resolution and she also read it on the Zoom. And she read it so beautifully that I just wanted to share it with my listeners and we'll be playing this at the first segment of the show. And I can hardly believe it. It's the last month for the last Monday for September. Where did the month go? And we'll be doing the Women Spaces Pledge. Um, we had a marvelous, marvelous weekend, uh, Ken and I, and we were very excited. I want to do a shout out to the uh, Asian American Pacific Islander Coalition of Sonoma County. Uh, excuse me, it's the Redwood Empire Chinese Association here in Sonoma County. A shout out to their president, Nancy Wang. Uh, Ken and I attended their Moon Festival. And I, w- I want to talk about the Moon Festival. In the past, the Moon Festival was celebrated at harvest time. Ancient Chinese emperors worshipped the moon in autumn to thank it for the harvest. Isn't that beautiful? Worshipped the moon and thanked it for the hard- our harvest. The ordinary people took the mid-autumn festival to be a celebration of their hard work and their harvest. You know, the mid-autumn festival is also known by other names, such as the Moon Festival or Harvest Moon Festival, because the celebrations association with the full moon on this night. Well, we didn't, we weren't at night, so we didn't see a full moon, but it was wonderful, wonderful being a part of the, uh, part of this wonderful celebration. And also I want to do a shout out for David Chang and his uh, Tai Chi group, 
Chong is Chong, David Chong, and his Tai Chi group. They did a wonderful, wonderful demonstration of Tai Chi. I was so proud of Ken. I got to film it, and he just looked marvelous doing it. And the whole group was in perfect, perfect sync. And then listening to the drumming and the children singing and the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful food that they had. I just thank you, thank you, and thank you, Nancy Wang, for for holding on and for doing this every single year and for inviting Ken and I to participate. And, you know, it's really interesting. What I, I made a little bit of a, a, mispa- a mistake at the beginning, but the Asian American and Pacific Islands Islander Coalition of Sonoma County is, they're just forming that now. It's called API, and that's to help make Sonoma County safe for all people. And as we know, Asian Americans have been attacked through the United States, and this is just another way, another way to make sure that they are safe. So thank you, and happy, happy Moon Festival. You know, so many things, so many things going on. You know, I want to remind everybody that on Saturday, this Saturday, October 2nd, there will be a Women's March rally happening at Courthouse Square in downtown Santa Rosa from 10 to 12 p.m. And I am honored to be one of the speakers. And and if you come up and say hi to me, I will be happy to give you a copy of the Women's Spaces Pledge, which we're going to do today. This is a very important event as much is happening across the country uh, in protest, this is a, a there's a, going to be about maybe 700 protests and rallies and marches across the country to protest the Texas abortion ban and also in support of Don Lewis's voting rights bill HR-117. Uh, and really, it's it's really very very important. You know, one of the things that people are trying to encourage all of us to do is to call your congressman, call your senator, and say, "Hey, we want to pa- we want you to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Bill," and it's called "For the People." Act of 2021. I like that. For the People Act of 2021. You know, I remember uh, when I was watching uh, some historical documents, uh, there was a conversation between uh, Martin Luther King and President uh, Lyndon Johnson uh, when there was all the protests going on around civil rights uh, and all the things that were happening in the southern states. And one of the things that really struck me was when Martin Luther King told Johnson, told President Johnson. We need the vote. Without the vote, you know, we're citizens of the United States. It is our right to vote. We all need to vote. It's very, very important that we protect our vote. And it's so interesting to me how many times we hear our vote does not count. Isn't that interesting? Our vote does not count. How many times have you heard that? Well, if our vote doesn't count, why are they trying to do all these restrictive rules so it makes it more and more difficult for people to vote? As we saw in the past election for the president and as we saw in this recent recall vote, your vote does matter. Your vote does matter. And never forget that. That's part of a democracy. The most beautiful thing about a democracy is we, the people, can go to the polls and decide who we want to represent us. So that's very, very important. And I hope to see everybody. And like I said, you know, you'll hear the pledge. I have these little pink cards with the pledge, and I'll be happy to give it to you if you just say hi. I hope to see. I hope to see at least a thousand women down there. 
on October 2nd, supporting all these marches and rallies that are going on through the country. This is very important as women that we stand up. We have a right to choice. You know, I am not for abortion. I am not against abortion. I am for choice. C-H-O-I-C-E. Very, very important. Well, as I do every Monday, remind everybody our history is our strength. And women have made great, great strides in the last two centuries. It's just amazing. We got the vote in uh, 1920, and since then, we have been moving rapidly. So I want to acknowledge uh, two, uh, three different um, three different women this morning. Uh, September 25th, 1981, in September 25th, 1981, Sandra Day O'Connor is sworn in as the first woman on the United States Supreme Court. The first woman. It took until 1981. Amazing. It took 60, almost over 61 years from when we got the vote to finally get a woman on the Supreme Court. And then on September 26th, 10 years prior to that, uh, Representative Shirley Chisholm, a Democrat from New York, announces she will enter the Democratic presidential primaries. What an exciting thing. Now, you know, Shirley Chisholm was so interesting to me. She was a very, very powerful woman. And one time she was asked, she's African-American, and one time she was asked by a reporter, Shirley, which is easier or harder, to be black or to be a woman? She says, absolutely harder to be a woman. Can you imagine that? Harder to be a woman coming from Shirley Chisholm. Well, congratulations, Shirley. I mean, what, what, a, what an inspiration. She was an inspiration to me, really an inspiration. And then on uh, September 29th, 1839, and she made her transition in 1898, Frances Willard, as president of the Women's, listen to this, as the Women's Christian Temperance Union, WCTU, the largest organization of women in the United States in the 19th century turned the organization into a political force working on a broad array of social reforms, including women's rights, social justice, and world peace. Well, happy birthday to Frances Willard. Can you imagine what it was like for Frances Willard in 1839 trying to organize women? Amazing, amazing women. Amazing women. So a shout out to all of them and a shout out to all you women out there that are are going to gather on October 2nd and also for all the work that you do, all the work that you do trying to bring equality, trying to bring health care, trying to bring a voice for women. I want to thank all of you. Well, as you know, the first, the last Monday of the month, we do the Women's Spaces Pledge, and it's very important. But I want to read something to you. I want to read one of, a poem. This is the, this, when I read this poem, I was about, uh, I think I was um, 27 or 28 years old. And I felt, really, I felt like life, life had come to the end for me. I, I didn't know how I was going to do it. My marriage was falling apart. I, was a, I had my daughter. She was only three years old. 
and it was it was a time of struggle and i was working at that time as an insurance underwriter and this woman uh called me on the phone for a quote uh, i guess it was a fleet line i used to write you know fleets of uh, multiple uh automobile policies and she saw that i sounded very sad and she said you know elaine let me send you this book and she sent me this book called key to yourself by dr venice bloodworth and I want you to know that it changed my life. And it was very interesting. I don't even know the woman's name. I never met her. She sent it to me, special delivery. And in those days, special delivery came within a few hours. And so when I got home from work, there was this book sitting on my porch. And the reason I'm reading it is because it really has to do a lot with the pledge. I think uh, all the things that inspired me, this was this was the root. You know, it's like you have, a, you have a tree and it has roots. Well, this was the roots for me that really created a huge change in my life. I mean, if you would have met me at that time, it was not the same Elaine that you're hearing on the on the air right now because we all worked very hard on each other. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this poem. It's a it's a prologue from her book, uh, Key to Yourself by Dr. Venice Bloodworth, which I think was written about 75 years ago. Here we go. There was a door which I found no key. There was a veil pass which I could not see. Then to heaven itself I cried, What lamp has destiny to guide? Her children struggling in the dark. Understanding, know thyself. The wee small voice replied, Understanding, know thyself. The wee small voice replied, and there's a there's a little credit here. It's from a, a piece called Apologies to Omar. What a beautiful, beautiful poem that was. And it changed my whole life. It really did. I, I just, my, the road opened for new and better things that came my way. Actually, I went back to school when I was 30 years old. I finally went back to school and ended up at 36 years old with a master's degree, and I really attribute it to this beautiful poem. So thank you, Venice Bloodworth. I know you're, you're floating around heaven somewhere, but boy, I'll tell you something. This was really an impact on my life. And I hope. I hope the pledge really starts to make sense to you after reading this because it has a lot to do with knowing yourself, knowing your limitations, knowing your fears, your fears about speaking out, your fears about belonging, your fears about wanting to do something and not knowing. You think, oh, who's going to accept me? Oh, maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not pretty enough. All those things that get in the way of us moving forward in our life. So let's do the pledge now. And Ken, you know, Ken and I are in the studio here. We're live in the studios in downtown Santa Rosa. And, you know, Ken, do you mind doing the pledge with me this morning? Oh, I love doing it. I know. It's, it's really, it's really a, a, a wonderful, it's a blessing that this pledge even came to me. I wrote it for my grandson, Ryan, who's now 30-some-odd years old. He's going to be a father for the second time. And I wrote it for him when he was six years old. And I just tell you, I just can't believe all that time's gone. I'm going to be a great-grandmother for the second time. It's just amazing. I love reading the pledge to my, grand, my great-granddaughter. And I look forward to the next great-granddaughter and passing it along to as many people as I can. So I'm going to say the first, the line or two and just repeat after me. So Ken is going to join me. If you're in your home, just sit back and relax. If you're in a car, don't close your eyes. Just listen. So here we go. 
My self-esteem. My self-esteem does not depend. Does not depend on anything. On anything outside of me. Outside of me. My self-esteem. My self-esteem depends. Depends on my relationship. On my relationship with myself. With myself and my higher power. And my higher power. Wow, is that not beautiful? My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. That means what you think of me is none of my business. <laughs> my self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. What a beautiful saying. You know, it's interesting about this pledge. I actually read it three times before I get on the air because it reminds me. It reminds me that I'm okay. It reminds me that my listeners are okay. It reminds me that as crazy as the world is, my self-esteem is still intact. So let's let's read it together, Ken. Both of us will read it in, in kind of a chorus. I, ju- I just love it. I just love this, this simple little saying. So here, let's go together, Ken. My, my self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. Oh, Ken, thank you so much for reading it with me. It's it's really, you know, I'll tell you, it's really interesting. When when I first met Ken, I remember the first thoughts I had was, oh, I'm too old, I'm too homely, I'm too this and too that. And I had to remind myself, hey, my self-esteem does not depend on what you think of me. Nothing outside of me is going to determine who I am. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself. And like as I read this first, this poem at the beginning, the key to yourself, understanding, know thyself, the wee small voice replied. So there's a lot to think about with this pledge. And like I said, I will be speaking at the October 2nd event in Courthouse Square in Santa Rosa. And if you folks see me, I will have a bunch of these little cards with the pledge on it. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. Another suggestion I have for you is read it before you go to bed at night. Get that consciousness going. Let it roll inside of you. Because ladies and gentlemen and all my listeners out there, we need to have a voice. We need to stand up for peace. We need to stand up for the children. We need to stand up for women. We need to stand up for men. Look at what we heard in Amy Goodman, a man in in prison for 14 years. Oh, my goodness. I mean, can you imagine that, the struggle? And he sounds so up. I mean, it's amazing how, as human beings, the things that we can survive. But the most important thing is to recognize, you know, that old saying, I'm okay, you're okay, and live in that light. Well, that's a lot to think about. And, you know, let's all think about it. And talking about self-esteem talking about somebody who to me is an inspiration the way she walks the way she talks the the way she dresses and that's our former first lady uh, michelle obama i want to do a shout out for her she won or she was just given the freedom award which is an annual event for the national civil rights museum which is held each year in the fall so congratulations to michelle obama winner of the national civil rights museum freedom award for her heroic work to protect voting rights to protect voting rights this woman is standing up for all of us 
and we must all stand together in support of voting rights. Very, very important. Well, we're going to take a, mu- a quick musical break, and uh, not really a musical. Yeah, we're going to take a musical break, and we're going to play The Blood of the Ancients, and then when we come back, I'm going to play, uh, it's a three-minute clip, I'm going to play the speech that, uh, the reading of the uh, of the, uh, resolution of the Board of Supervisors of the County of Sonoma. Uh, giving the uh, National Organization for Women now uh, the Sonoma County chapter for its historic calendar celebrating the centennial of the 19th Amendment. So let's go ahead and let's play Blood of the Ancients, Ken. Yes, the future is in our hands. What a powerful statement. Well, for you just joining, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, board of directors, members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And like I said, for this segment, we are going to listen to Sonoma County Board of Supervisor uh, Linda Hopkins read the gold resolution presented to the Sonoma County chapter of now. The group produced a calendar uh, celebrating the centennial of 2020, and it's called the Women's Suffrage Calendar. So let's go ahead and let's uh, play that uh, piece by Linda Hopkins, and then we, when we come back, we're going to take a quick musical break, which I will announce. Go ahead, let's play that piece, uh, Ken. I am pleased to introduce Supervisor Linda Hopkins, who spearheaded the effort to pass the gold resolution for us. Um, She served District 5 since January 2017, and during that period has dealt with the effects of fires and floods while actively working to address critical quality of life issues related to affordable housing, homelessness, road repair, environmental protection, and rural community representation, among many others. And uh, Linda, we honor you this evening. 
Will you please read the gold resolution for us and then um, give us your thoughts on what you wanted to say tonight? Thank you so much. It is my great honor to present this gold resolution on behalf of the Board of Supervisors of the County of Sonoma to honor the National Organization for Women Sonoma County Chapter for its historic calendar celebrating the centennial of the 19th Amendment. And I'm just going to warn you, there are a lot of whereases, so I might need to take a breath in between each of them. Bear with me. Um, And then I do have a few thoughts to share about the wonderful women that surround me uh, on the Zoom tonight. Whereas the National Organization for Women Sonoma County Chapter was founded in 1988 to take action through intersectional grassroots activism to promote feminist ideals, lead societal change, eliminate discrimination, and achieve and protect the equal rights of all women and girls in all aspects of social, political, and economic life. And whereas Women's Equality Day is celebrated in the United States on August 26th to commemorate the 1920 adoption of the 19th Amendment to the United States Constitution, which prohibits the states and the federal government from denying the right to vote to citizens of the United States on the basis of sex. The National Organization for Women's Sonoma County Chapter celebrated the centennial anniversary of the 19th Amendment on this August 26, 2020. And whereas the team of Elaine B. Holtz, former president of the National Organization for Women's Sonoma County Chapter, Rebecca Dwan, calendar designer extraordinaire, Vesta Copestakes, former publisher of the Sonoma County Gazette, Larry Jacobs, the printer of the calendar who allowed us to stop the presses when we discovered an error, and researchers from the Sonoma County History and Genealogy Library produced a commemorative calendar acknowledging local women leaders as well as feminists past and present upon whose shoulders we stand. And whereas this calendar honors the women, both nationally and locally, who came before us and showed us by example what is possible. Honoring their accomplishments gives us confidence that we too can contribute and be valued. And whereas the publication and distribution of such a historic document, the Centennial Calendar, honors the accomplishments of these inspiring women and also serves to motivate future leaders to action going forward with the goal of bringing women into full participation in society, sharing equal rights, responsibilities, and opportunities with men. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Sonoma County Board of Supervisors does hereby recognize the National Organization for Women Sonoma County Chapter Calendar as a historic document. So thank you all for your work. Oh, just listening to that is so thrilling to me. Thank you, Supervisor Linda Hopkins, for reading it, for participating in the Zoom, and for helping to write this beautiful, beautiful document honoring, honoring the National Organization for Women, the Sonoma County Chapter. And I want to just mention that the person who introduced uh, Linda Hopkins is our current president, uh, Amy Nycap. I want to thank Amy for all that she does, and congratulations on being elected. Well, we are going to take another musical break. Oh, I'm just so excited when I heard that resolution. I am so proud of it. I am so proud of Sonoma County's chapter. Well, we are going to take a musical break, and we're going to be listening to a song called Gather the Woman, sung by Earth Mama. And when we come back, joining me on the phone from Washington, D.C., will be Christian Nunes, president of the National Organization for Women. Let's go, Ken. Gather the women from all around, colors 
and country sizes and shapes, beauty abounds. We are the ones, we are the ones, we are the ones we have waited for. Gather the women, wisdom and song, honoring spirit, feminine race, waited so long. We are the ones, we are the ones we have waited for Sizes and shapes, beauty abounds. We are the ones, we are the ones, we are the ones we have waited for. We are the ones, we are the ones, we are the ones we have Yes, we are the ones you've been waiting for. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And joining me on the phone is Christian Nunes, the president of the National Organization for Women. Welcome, Christian. Welcome to Women's Spaces. What an honor this is to have you on the air. Good to be here with you. Oh, I am so happy to have you. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited. I'm shaking. Anyway, oh. be- <laughs> I, I, actually, I met you over the air when I, saw, when I saw the Zoom on that wonderful presentation you did with all those women speaking about some of the issues around women and what's going on through the country, and I want to thank you for that. So before, oh, we, be- before we begin, can I tell our listeners just a little bit about you? Yes, absolutely. Christian Nunes, who has a master's degree in business association, and she also is a licensed social worker, became now president in October, in August of 2020. She was previously, uh, previously she was appointed vice president by the board in May of 2019, 2019. As the second African American president in the organization's history, the youngest person of color and the youngest president in more than 40 years. Nunes is leading the organization through an intersectional lens, bringing a diverse coalition of grassroots activists to work against structural sexism and racism. Christian is a former now board member and committee chair, as well as licensed clinical social worker, consultant, and women minority business owner. She is an active community organizer and public speaker, regularly featured at, at events such as uh, March for Black Women, Women's March uh, events, and rallies around the country in support of the Equal Rights Amendment and immigration rights. Along with her... Along with her activism and mental health uh, actions, uh, Christian has more than 20 years of experience advocating for children's and women's issues. Wow, what a resume. Well, welcome again. Is Thank there anything you. else that you would like to add? 
No, I think you very much summarized it up pretty well. Oh, it's just beautiful. It's just, I'm, as you can tell, I'm very excited. Well, let's start this way, Kristen. Talk about how you first got involved with the National Organization for Women and what attracted you to the organization. Sure. So my first experience with NAL happened when I was in grad school, um, when I went to Columbia University, and I actually attended a CANS event, uh, which is a Campus Action Network um, event that they had in, in, in New York City. Um, and so that was my first exposure to NAL. I'd never heard of NAL before. I really wasn't sure what it was about, but I um, just kind of got involved with a event that um, happened around, you know, um, regarding now and feminist and work and women's rights. Um, so it was one of those interesting times where you always knew you resonated with something but never really considered yourself a feminist, you know. But essentially being raised by strong women, um, we kind of always had those feminist background and values. So after I graduated um, and moved back to Arizona, I got involved with a local chapter and um, Phoenix uh, Scottsdale chapter, and from that point on, just kind of worked my way through local organizing and participation and local chapter, um, and local leadership, and then eventually started getting involved with state leadership um, as one of the state coordinators, not president, but like a leadership co- training coordinator, um, and then from there to the national board, and now here I am as president of the organization. <laughs> Well, really, congratulations to you. Thank you know, you know, it's it's really interesting when you read the history of now. I mean, when you read the history of the whole uh, women's movement all the way back to the suffrage movement, you know, you really it's it's there's been monumental changes as we move along, as you know. You know Absolutely. Now has been in existence for over fifty years. You know, from from. It's beginning to now. What what changes have you seen being made, particularly around women of color? Because that was really a, a big debate going on all along, even around when Shirley Chisholm was running for mm-hmm. uh, for president at that time. So, tell me what what's, what what is different from the past and moving forward that you see. Sure. Well, I will say that you know the premise of now, how now originated, was kind of like this intersection of racial justice and um, you know gender justice movement when we were fighting for women's rights and racial justice was an civil rights movement. So it was a time when there was recognition that both needed to exist, right? And how do we find a space where both can exist? But women's rights were really important and racial justice was really important. Um, so now kind of was like this space where there was some intersectionality happening before there was really ever a term of intersectionality happen. So a lot of the co-founders, you'll see a lot of black women and white women who co-founded um, now. And But what, as, as you can say, there's been so many waves of feminism that's happened. It's kind of waxed and waned and shifted. And there was a period of time where women of color necessarily did not feel that their voices were heard or amplified in the movement. So what I will say, what we're seeing now is that um, we need to acknowledge that the ideas of the 60s and 70s aren't, that they weren't enough, that we need to be more inclusive. And so we become more creating a more welcoming and safer environment for all of our members. So that has been a big focus of what we have seen shift as we've moved on further into these other waves of feminism and within our organization. And we've made a more committed, um, we've made a more strong commitment to intersectionality um, and looking at feminism through intersectionality lens, which is understanding that we have to center diversity and the voices of diverse members and women in our activism. 
So it's not just saying that this we're only representing women, but we're also representing women who cross different types of phases in their lives and different experiences. And then by doing that, uh, that means we have to be anti-racist. It means we have to be fighting oppressions in all different ways. And we have to recognize the experience each woman from different groups' experiences and how those things impact their their lived experience as well. And this commitment that now is made to intersectionality, I think it's really shifted and changed from when we first formed in 1966. Oh, um, I and know. It, it, yeah, you know, right? <laughs> so oh, I think yeah. that's what's really seeing. And, you know, you know, two things uh, that I think are important to address. Why do you think this is so important, particularly at this at this time of, of, of our of our struggle, of women's struggle? And also and also what? What are some of the challenges that you're being met with? I mean, this is this is a, a huge shift on so many levels. Absolutely. Well, I think it's important because, you know, we don't live sidled lives. We, we live holistic lives. And when I say that, I mean it because we are, in, we are interactive, we're interconnected, we are affected by multiple different things, and, and, and uh, our ecosystem is, is complex. So we can't expect, like, for you or myself to only be inter, uh, only be affected by one thing. We're intersectional people, right? Exactly. So we have some that it's disability and gender, and some um, it's it's race and gender, and some it's poverty and gender, and some it's you know it's poverty, gender, and race, and some it's um, uh, a gender identity, our sexual identity, and and gender identity, and race. And, 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 you know, being an immigrant, we have to look at the complexity of it. And why it's so important is how can we, in order for us to be authentic in the work that we're doing um, and really fight for the change that we want for women and girls, we have to be willing to look at it from their experience and their narrative. And we cannot do this unless we do our own work first in the organization. Um, and we also be willing to, like, uplift and amplify those voices of those people. So I think that's why it's important. Um, as regarding the challenges, I think, you know, what we'll see is in any change and shift in any organization, you know, change is uncomfortable, right? Oh, yeah. You know, so I got to tell you a funny story. I had to change this, where my couch was situated mm-hmm. in my house. And finally, my husband said, you know, we got to do it. We got to do it, blah, blah. And so finally I did it. It took me two weeks every way. I said, geez, is that okay? It was, oh, I don't know. Maybe I can't. You know, it was just all kinds of thoughts on a simple thing like a couch. So I can just imagine what it's like when we go through changes culturally. I mean, it's just, it's a phenomena. That's for sure. Right. Cause it's a part of it is, is like accepting, like, is this really for me? Is this real for me? Um, and then how do I incorporate this to what I know to be true and what I'm learning to be true for myself, but, but still, but keeping, you know, but still understanding my own identity and it's in. Oh, it's so, so important. Huh? It's so important. Yeah, it's important. So I think that's what we see shifting and happening, but I will say that I think our organization has been ready for it and, and, and wants to embrace this shift so that we can combat these barriers to equality and injustice. Um, that have been imposed by like structural racism, structural oppression, uh, gender inequality. Um, so these are important things that we have to do so we can, um, you know, definitely make sure that we're, uh, you know, minimizing the burden that we're seeing of race and sex discrimination on BIPOC women and girls, including trans women and girls as well. I think this is one of the most exciting times really to be involved with now. So mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Well, you know, I know you're doing a lot of changes and I know part of the changes uh, are, involve you or 
uh, developing a lot of new training programs. So mm-hmm. talk about some of the trainings and now uh, offering to members to help them become better educated activists. And also, I also believe not only better educated, as I look at some of the issues that you're dealing with, it's also to start looking, you know, uh, oftentimes when people ask me, how do I identify myself? I say, first I say that I'm a human being, then I say I'm a woman, and then the rest of it you can just define it however you want. But yeah. <laughs> first, I'm a human being, and, and second, I'm a woman. In fact, uh, maybe when you get a chance, you can go on our our website www.womenspaces.com. There's a there's a program, a poem rather that I wrote called "I Am Women, I Am All Women," which is kind of the basis of this show. So anyway, oh, I kind of, I kind of diverted. I'll actually I'll send you. I'll, I'll email uh, yeah, you. I was actually looking at your website earlier today, but I have to go find that poem. So I'm going to go look for it, and we'll share it on our website because I love poetry. It's one of my favorite things, and I write poetry, so I have to look at it and read it. And this is this is a very you know, this is the whole uh, foundation of the show. So so talk about some of the trainees and, and why are these trainings important and how can people get involved with them? Great, Elaine. Thanks for asking about that. So one of the things that's been important to us um, is that we are making impact through our grassroots activism because, you know, we are grassroots-based um, membership organizations, largest in this country, been around the longest, and... But one of the things we keep forgetting is we're always learning and we always are growing. And so we need to constantly reinvigorate ourselves, re-energize ourselves, continue training and growing as times change and the challenges that we face change. So we thought it was really important that we prepare our activists and our members with tools they can use to be better organizers in their own communities and help fight change on different levels. It's not always federal, right? We have to do it locally. We have to do it state, regional, national, and we have to do it collectively. If we're really trying to make the change we want to see in this world, we have to hit it in all different spaces. So we've really worked hard to create programming that we feel um, our membership can duplicate in their communities, um, that will be impactful in their communities and will help them um, just really, like, hone their grassroots uh, organizing skills and their activism skills because we know there's power in numbers and we know when we join together and, and our demand, our voices will be silent. So a couple of programs that we created are really to make sure that we are building a national momentum to help fight things like we're doing with you know, abortion restriction and, you know, abortion and reproductive rights and voter suppression. Um, to, to elect more feminist organizers and to train up in these areas. But we have to do this collectively. And the only can do that if we mobilize and put ourselves in positions to be prepared and ready. Yeah, you have one show, one program I found. It was called Level Up, and then there's another yeah. one called Run Now. What is Level Up about? Sure. Level Up is kind of our program where we're providing, like, uh, just different webinar trainings on different topics that our chapters and members can use to prepare them to just build a, the love, they bring their training and, and their experiences better so that they can be prepared either with fundraising, media, writing, writing, you know, media, outreach, how to write a press statement, all the things you need to be like um, fully involved in being um, an organizer, you know, how to hold a rally, um, how to pitch a press statement, how to write an op-ed, um, how to fundraise to your chapter, all those important 
tools we need to be effective in, in building our chapters and building our membership as well as being organizers. Level Up Now is really bringing us up a level, right? It's leveling us up. It's giving us, I love the name, um, <laughs> oh, our engagement membership, a member, a, a manager created that name. And so it's like one of those things like we're leveling up. We're bringing ourselves up to the next level so we can continue to be more prepared as we move through this time where we need more strong advocates and activists. So it's just an opportunity to go through webinar trainings on different topics, whether it be bylaws, how to write bylaws, or how to structure your organization, how to fundraise, how to um, plan a rally, how to write a press kit, different things all we all need to be effective in our chapters and our in our programs. Um, so that's Level Up Now. And Right Now is another training program because we are geared toward making sure that we are electing progressives and feminist candidates, I should mainly say feminist candidates more than anything, that focus on the core issues and now believes in, right, who are for women's, women's rights and gender equality. And in order to do that, we are pairing up with well-known, well-established, um, you know, political organizations that have been doing this work for a long time to make sure we are helping to train new feminist candidates to run for office locally, state, and, 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 and on the federal level, as well as um, also train campaign operatives, um, those who want to run, help help run campaigns, because sometimes we don't talk about people behind the scenes. <laughs> so we can prepare them, because if we're going to really do, get into this fight, we have to hit it at all levels. We have to hit the school boards who are creating school board policies, preventing, like, you know, critical race theory from happening and pre- preventing rep- reproductive justice and reproductive health ed from happening. We have to hit it the city council who are creating ordinances that are not supportive. We have to hit it, you know, at every single level. And so these programs are helping train these feminist candidates and train people to run the campaigns. They'll help us elect the candidates that we want that are reflective of our values. Well, I say a goddess to that one. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, say, I say, let's get in there. You know, we had a wonderful, wonderful turnout. Uh, we had a recall here in uh, California, but also prior to that, we had uh, 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 city council races in Sonoma County, and we had three women of color that took seats in our city council, which was just amazing. It was an amazing thing that, you know, you see, you actually see things are starting to turn around. Well, you know, there's two questions. Questions that I have, and I'm I'm just trying to I'm just trying to uh, level in my mind which one would be first. But I'm, I want to make sure I get this one in, and that is the October second uh, uh, mobilization that's happening across the country. We are having a, a rally and a mi- meeting here. In fact, I'm going to be one of the speakers. I am so honored. I, I mean, I'm just so oh, honored. Awesome. And I'm so honored to have you on the phone. I mean, I was I I'm actually was the past president uh, for. Uh, uh, Sonoma County now. I was president for five years and a woman by the name of Amy Nycheck just took over and we produced this great calendar. We just got a, uh, a gold resolution. In fact, I'm sending one to the now office. I, I talked to Dee and I said I was going to send her, send her one so they can see exactly what happened. So talk a little bit about this October 12th, uh, excuse me, October 2nd rally and gathering that's coming. Why do you believe, what, what is important about people coming out and supporting this? Absolutely, sure. So as you all know, you know, there has been a major attack on women's reproductive rights. Um, and it has been coordinated, it's been strategic, and it's been going on for years. And what we have seen come out of this are these restrictive um, 
extremist, like, you know, abortion laws that are basically um, really trying, unconstitutionally trying to overturn Roe. Um, and Texas SB 8, the law that passed on September 1st, is probably the most horrific ever um, because not only is it restrictive to six-week ban, but it's also vigilante law where they're awarding people to help profile and turn in those who want to seek an abortion. And also, not only that, where it makes um, those who get an abortion penalized worse than those who would be offenders of a rape, right? So, like, essentially, like, let's say a woman was was raped and she decided to get an abortion. If she were to get that, she would be penalized more harsh, uh, harsher than the actual uh, rapist who actually committed the crime. And this is just unjust, right? So... What's happening October 2nd is multiple organizations have come together through a national abortion access campaign, over 90 different reproductive justice organizations, reproductive rights organizations, formed a huge coalition and come forth to demand, you know, our rights for abortion access. That is the human right, is a constitutional right that women have this access. And so um, it's being off our bodies, organizing for women's rights, to an, um, an abortion, and we are mobilizing together um, Women's March, Sister Song. Um, it, uh, there is quite a few other, I, I would have to tell you, quite a few other main groups that are um, Planned Parenthood, um, above all. Um, there's quite a few that are leading the mobilization efforts of the October 2nd March, but there are over 90 different coalition partners involved in this um, October 2nd um, event. And then there are over um, quite a few, I think over a hundred something partners on it. And now it's a partner, so we're excited to be a partner in this this event on October 2nd. Um, So it's going to be a day of just solidarity to come forth where we all are just uplifting the importance of, you know, guaranteeing, making sure, you know, supporting the, you know, WH um, Women's Health Protection Act. So hopefully this doesn't codify Roe, but, also just seeing that women deserve the right for bodily autonomy and women deserve the right to have a, a abortion access without, you know, violence or without trauma or without criminalization of the right for their own, you know, choices for their bodies. I'm going to put so, it very, I'm um, going to put it very simply. <laughs> Stay out of our bodies. Let us have our own choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> for, he- for, like, he- for heaven's sakes, I just, I just don't understand it. You know, I just do not understand it for the in my wildest dreams. You know what? Yeah. The hashtag for this is ban off our bodies. Yes. And that's the simplest way to put it, right? Ban yeah. off our bodies. Get out. Get out of. Just stay out. Well, we're coming to the last segment, and this is this is a very this is a long question. I really thank you for this, and I really for my women listeners and and men everybody listening you must show up on October 2nd it is very yes. important even if and you just stand there in every state every state oh, that's amazing mm-hmm. i mean yeah you can go to womensmarch.com to find sister marches mm-hmm. this is just amazing well the last the last thing in our segment we're coming to it very very quickly and this is like i said i'm still excited Kristen. <laughs> It's just wonderful talking to you. For the past year, we have seen the COVID uh, pandemic create a she, I love this, a she session. 
mm-hmm. with women that losing their jobs at higher rates because they worked in customer-facing sectors and care industries, and black and Latinx women by job losses. You know, how do you feel at this point, you know, in looking at the women's movement, looking at what's going on across the country, looking at the pandemic and everything, how do you feel or how do you, what do you believe we can do as citizens to support these women and make, you know, have these job losses discontinue? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, you know, there is a few things going on right now that I think, um, but I think it really comes down to our Congress making a lot of this moves, right? Um, you know, we need to pass, uh, we need the Equal Pay Act, and that's the gender wage gap that continues to put burdens on hardworking women and families, particularly those women of BIPOC communities who are paid so much less behind the dollar of a white man. Um, those impact implications that are affecting, you know, low-income women of color. Um, they're going to still those for decades, you know. They have to work, I mean, it's 20 years, <laughs> almost or more sometimes if you add up how much this loss can affect them over long term. Um, and that Equal Pay Act has to be paid, uh, it has to be approved. I mean, women just deserve equal pay for equal work. Um, we deserve to be paid what we're worth. We shouldn't have to constantly be in a position where we're seeing less than when we're not less than. We have the same worth as every a man. So that's the one that's first that needs to get passed, and we need to continue to put pressure on that. As well as I would say employers can make efforts to institute those changes in their own organizations on their own. You know, they can make commitments to you know, pay based on experience and, and pay based on qualifications and make that pay the same, not ask for previous pay um, scales, things that we know have set up by gender inequalities. Those are things employers can do and, and create openness about just talking about pay so there's no no retaliation or no no secrecy about it to encourage people to pay more fair when they know it's openly discussed and dialogue in their organizations. And I think the other thing is we need the Federal Paycheck Fairness Act, which is which was just reintroduced um, this year in the Senate to close the loopholes in the 1963 Equal Pay Act legislation. But this is just this new Paycheck Fairness Act will just help strengthen protection to ensure women are paid equally and fairly as well. So, you know, we just have to make sure that it's guaranteed that, you know, we can hold organizations accountable for it. Um, that we're helping in the gender wage pay gap. It, this should not exist and it needs to be closed. Oh, and when boy. we see that closed, we'll see a major. And we also need to make sure that there are basic provisions given to support work for all those, not just those who have, you know, high type of C-level jobs, but those who are domestic workers and essential workers too. We need to give support all around for everyone. Very important. You know, I'll tell you something. These people are more important than a lot of these CEOs that are getting these fat checks. I mean, it's just exactly. a, it's just amazing. Well, my friend, we are coming to the end of the segment. So are there any last words, any website, anything that you'd like to share with, with our listening audience? And also give us the website, how they can get a hold of you and any anything you'd like to say. Sure. If you are interested in being involved in any our programs or finding out what we're doing or, you know, Feel free to join us. You can become a member uh, at now.org. If you go to our site and hit join now, you can become a member and you um, can be a part of any of these things that we're doing and just look at what we're doing and read some of the activities. You can always attend any of our events as well. 
are open to the public for free. Um, and also, I just encourage everyone to continue just to call your Congress members, call, call your sen- mainly your senators for some of these bills that have already passed. We're trying to get through the Senate and put pressure on them to end the filibuster and put pressure on them to vote for these acts that need to happen that are going to be supportive of women and equality for women. We have to continue to put pressure um, so they know we are there and we're not going anywhere. And the more pressure you put on them and, you know, call, you can call your, um, the, the, you know, the Congress and ask for the main switchboard and ask your senator's um, direct number. And, you know, we have action alerts on our website for all the different major um, issues that we're pushing. You can always go to now.org website and look at our action alerts. And it has a script and template for you to tell you exactly what to say um, to your, your senator about these major Things are pushing like, you know, um, you know, um, the Build Better Act and Equal Pay and Paycheck Fairness. Well, we'll put that script on our website. I think that's I think that's wonderful that you have a script. Well, Kristen Nunes, president of the National Organization for Women, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on Women's Spaces and thank you and your group and thank Dee for helping to organize this yeah. and everybody there and I want to thank wish you, you all this. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you so much. Oh. Thank you for being a member now. Oh, I love You're I, the one that keeps us going. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Kristen, and I want to wish you all the success in the world. Well, you that's too. It. Have a good well, that's it for our show. Special thank you to Christian Nunes, president of the National Organization for Women. What a great organization and what an articulate president. Lots of innovative ideas and ways to organize and make changes. And a reminder about the rally on October 2nd in the Santa Rosa Courthouse Square from 10 to 12. You're truly, uh, yours truly will be a speaker. And remember, like I say at every show, our children are the future. We must never lose sight of that. This is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. It is my honor to be here, and I want to wish you a blessed day. And remember, remember, our children are the future. We must never lose sight of that. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, September 27, 2021.